Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Good morning and welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Castanari-King. Today I have Jason Horsch with me, who is the owner of Xanadu Gallery in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, Jason grew up observing firsthand the struggles and victories of the life of an artist, which I believe gives him an entirely unique perspective and understanding, as well as um, what you'll come to find out, a very compassionate heart towards artists. So... I found Jason on YouTube a couple, almost two years ago, when um, as a new artist myself, I decided to share my art with the world and um, got online, started doing some research and found these magnificent YouTube videos that he's done for artists, uh, all different topics, writing your bio, naming a painting, how to price your artwork. And I have a whole notebook (laughs) of notes that I've taken. So Jason, I'm so excited and very honored to have you on the show today. And I can't wait to share this with others. So welcome. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for having me. Great. Great. So um, I think my um, listeners are going to be very pleased with um, finding out the resources um, that you have available to artists. But if, if at the beginning, if you would help us to understand how you became a gallery owner, um, how your your journey through life has led you to that. Could you give us some background? Yeah, and and it is a bit of a uh, long and winding story. But as you mentioned, um, I have um, some unique experiences in my background. My father is a uh, full-time professional artist, um, and he has been doing that for uh, over 40 years now. Um, and, and so I grew up uh, in a household where... Art was, you know, not just a mild interest or a hobby. It was a way of life and, um, you, know, you know, something that was just integral to everything that was going on in my life, in my parents' life, in the life of my siblings. Um, and I should mention that um, I am the oldest of my parents' nine children. Um, yes. And so my, you know, it, it, it was just almost crazy for um, my parents to think um, I, I grew up in, in southern Idaho, um, not exactly a mecca of the art world. And um, my parents decided that uh, they were going to pursue uh, a career in art. And my father was, uh, you know, developing his talent as a painter. Uh, my mom is a, a very dynamic salesperson and business manager for him. And um, at a very young age, uh, they decided to just go for it. And uh, that meant that the whole family went on a a, a kind of an incredible journey uh, following my father's career. Um, Now, of course, being the oldest of of his children, I got to grow up during the uh, starving artist phase of his career. (laughs) Sure. 
Yeah. And, and I learned very quickly, um, you know, starving artist isn't just some um, idyllic metaphor. It is uh, or can be a very literal thing. There were um, a lot of struggles early on in my parents' career. Um, and you'll notice I keep referring to it as uh, my parents' career because it, they, it really was a partnership between my mother and my father building, uh, building that business. And uh, they went through a lot of struggles early on. And, of course, um, the, the older children uh, kind of got to go along on those, uh, through those difficulties and, and watch my dad, um, you know, struggling to uh, get exposure for his work, to find collectors, uh, build relationships with galleries. Um, and so we saw firsthand the the difficulties of that. And, um, you know, at a very early age, I could see that this was uh, pretty difficult. And, um, uh, you know, I decided early on that when I grew up, I wanted to be an insurance salesman, <laughs> realtor, or stockbroker, or something like that, because uh, this art business was just so difficult. And there, you know, there'd be long periods without sales and, and a lot of work without a lot of reward. Um, right. but over time, uh, I saw my, my dad's career begin to take off and flourish. And, um, you know, I, I got to feel like I was a part of that. We would travel to different cities around the country. Um, and mom and dad would go in and talk to gallery owners and show a portfolio and, and show examples of my father's work and, uh, get representation. And, and then eventually he began to, um, become more established. He had collectors who were following him. The galleries were having shows uh, for his work and, um, you know, got to be a part of that as well. And I thought it was um, very uh, glamorous to go to a gallery in, uh, you know, Portland, Oregon or um, Washington, D.C. or Santa Fe, these different places where he would have shows. And I would see collectors coming in to meet my father and acquire his artwork. And I, I kind of fell in love with what was happening in the, uh, the gallery side of things. And so uh, by the time I was 17, uh, my family had, uh, my parents had um, uh, bought a house in Arizona and um, they were spending half the year in Arizona and half the year up in Idaho at a studio there. Uh, and I got a, a job in the gallery that was representing my father in Scottsdale. And the owner kind of took me under his wings and uh, showed me the ropes of the business. And um, I got to learn the gallery business from the uh, from the ground up. And um, boy, I, I'll tell you when I had the opportunity to make my first sale of an artwork and I still, um, I remember the clients and I remember the, uh, the artwork very distinctly. Um, I was hooked. It was, there, there was just something so, um, so magical about being there at the moment when a, uh, you know, a collector sees a piece of artwork, makes a connection to that artwork and then decides to acquire it which then allows, um, you know, allows the artist to continue to produce more artwork um, because right. that sale has occurred. And so it's just awesome to be a, a part of that. And um, over the next few years, um, uh, kind of continued moving my way up in, in this gallery. And then um, in 1998, I got married. 
my wife, Carrie, uh, also has a great love for the arts. Um, she was in ballet, um, but studied uh, public relations and worked in an art museum. Uh, and uh, after we got married, we decided that eventually we'd like to have our own gallery. Um, and in 2001, uh, that came about as we opened Xanadu Gallery in Scottsdale. And we've been doing that for the, the last uh, 17 plus years, um, building some great relationships with artists and, and collectors and, um, you know, just, just working very hard to build a successful business that's uh, successful for us and also successful for the artists that we represent. Great, great. And um, there's a very unique story about your gallery opening, and I won't have you re uh, say it now. I'll ask the listeners to get your book and read it because it's a fascinating story about the day that you opened. Um, but let's move on. So readers do get the book. You have to get the book because there's a lot of things he's he's skimming over that you'll you'll definitely want to read about. So um, that's wonderful. You you have such a unique perspective and it's just uh, art is, I mean, you're not an artist, but the art world is so infused in your entire being. And um, indeed. Yeah. And I think, as you said, when you made that first sale, it's so much more unique for you because you lived the life, you know, what the, you know, what the, the artist is going to do when they find out they've sold that piece, you know, and, um, and how happy they'll be as you're, your parents were going through that as well. So just, just such a, a neat, a neat thing that you have done, that this has become your life's calling. And um, so um, help us out a little bit. I think one of the th questions when I told a few people, um, in fact, you are quite well known out here. So I would say 50% uh, of the, the artists that I've spoken to in the last month, when I ask them, have you heard of Xanadu gallery or red dot blog? Yeah, yes, they have. <laughs> so uh, kudos to you. You're making some waves way out, way out here. Um, but one of the things I say, what do you, what do you want me to ask them? <laughs> and they say, ask them to tell us what a gallery owner wants. What are they looking for? Not just in the art, in the artist. Cause I know yeah. you've got to, got to build a relationship as well. Absolutely. And, and it's a great question. And, um, y you know, I, uh, I applaud the artists who asked you that question. And, um, you know, in some ways, I wish more artists would try to um, put themselves in a, a gallery owner's shoes for just a few minutes so that they could understand um, you know, how gallery owner is thinking of them and, and uh, what the perception would be. And, and I think that would help um, help everybody. Now, on the flip side of that, I also wish galleries would spend more time uh, trying to understand what it's like to be an artist. Um, because certainly, uh, you know, th there, I think there's a, a fair amount of misunderstanding um, between gallery owners and, and artists. And um, really, we're all in this together. And, and, and it's very much a uh, a partnership that, mm -hmm. that we're in as we work together to try and, and sell artwork. And so, um, you know, from an artist's perspective, looking at gallery owners, um, as I am uh, working and pushing forward to try and build a successful business, um, I, the, the disconnect, I think, sometimes that comes from um, from the artists that I'm working with or potentially working with is that th there is this innate sense that somehow 
um, you know, even calling it a business or thinking about the money is is somehow lessening the higher calling that an artist has undertaken. Um, you know that it somehow sullies the, the the whole process to turn it into a a business and think about uh, the the financial gain that is to be made uh, with artwork. But a- as a gallery owner, I think it's important to understand that um, there are many challenges and many expenses involved in uh, running a, a gallery and, and, and making it successful and, and making it a long-term operation and ultimately making it successful for the artists that are represented as well. Um, you, you know, it's likely that a gallery owner is paying uh, a high lease rate. They've got to be in locations that will attract buyers, which are typically going to be, uh, you know, inexpensive in uh, real estate. And, and so, um, you know, just the monthly overhead of location is, is pretty dramatic. And then a, a gallery owner is going to have uh, a, a sales staff typically um, and, and uh, payroll expenses that way and, and just overhead and, um, and then the logistics of running a gallery. And it, it's a very um, competitive, uh, difficult business to to break into. And so, uh, you know, as a gallery owner, when you're looking at artists' work and thinking about whether or not you'd like to represent a particular artist, you're going to be doing several things. First, uh, and foremost, I'm going to be thinking about um, or, or trying to judge how much an artist's work is going to appeal to my clientele. Okay. Um, and over the years, uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to get to know my buyers, um, get to know the the kinds of people who will be walking through my door and what kind of work is going to attract them, what's going to stand out. Um, and, and frankly, what is going to make them buy artwork in my gallery instead of in one of the many other galleries that I'm competing with mm-hmm. um, in, in the market where I'm located. And so I've got to um, try to be uh, very pragmatic in terms of the style of artwork that I'm bringing in, the subject matter, and, and to really be looking for um, work that's that's going to appeal that way. And, um, you know, it means I have to sometimes um, make some tough choices. Um, uh, to a certain extent, I, I, I can only afford to... Um, uh, you know, experiment so much with the type of artwork that I'm taking on. If I'm taking on artists who are well outside the range of work that I'm typically representing, it's a big risk. Mm. Um, if I'm, uh, you know, as I look at an artist's work, I can't take on someone who is is too close in style and subject matter to another artist. So there are kind of all these moving parts um, that are are somewhat independent of uh, just the question of, well, do I like this artist's work? Do I think it's technically proficient? Um, do I think the artist is creative? All those things are important as well. Um, but ultimately, I've got to make a little bit of a cold, hard decision about um, you, you know work that I feel is going to successfully sell for us. Right. Um, now, what an artist can do, though, to kind of help in that process is that um, one of the other big factors um, th- that galleries run into a lot is that... Uh, uh, often it's the case that the 
stereotype of an artist being disorganized and hard to work with and, and um, you know, just kind of a, a little bit difficult to uh, build a partnership with can, can be true. And um, for a gallery owner, that just makes it that much more difficult. So if you as an artist can break that mold and not be the stereotypical artist in that way, which by the way, I don't, I don't, I think that stereotype is, is overblown. Um, you know, most of the artists that I've met over the years um, to varying degrees have been, um, you know, striving to be very professional in their practices and working very hard to be organized. But the more that you can do that, the more you can eliminate um, the, those kinds of concerns for a gallery owner by showing that you're organized and, you know, have a, a professional portfolio put together and, uh, you, you know, your inventory organized, um, the more likely you are to overcome those those um, pitfalls with a, a gallery owner. And um, that can make a difference in in their decisions, whether or not they'll they'll be interested in representing an artist or not. OK, great. Um, I just want to point out one thing from your book that was a huge key takeaway for me at the very, very outset. I think I'd had my work in a gallery for about a month. And um, I read your book. And of course, it's something you need to keep rereading because as I go on my journey, journey as an artist, I learn new things that are more relevant to my situation today than it was last year. But um, this was a huge key takeaway for me when you talked about the quality of work. And um, even more so what hit me was the framing <laughs> and take, taking the extra time to you know make sure it's very high quality, even if it means spending more money, because, you know, you have to think about who you want your end client or you know, to be, who you want the customer to be. And so you have to make sure that the quality is there, not just the framing, of course, but the work itself. Yeah. So that was um, a great takeaway. Yeah. And, and I think that um, what, and it is, you, you look at the, uh, for an artist, it, it framing and materials are the big expenses. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand that many artists, especially early in a career, uh, are struggling with cash flow and, um, you know, don't have a lot of resources. But I always encourage artists to try and think of uh, the, their materials and framing and, and paints or, you know, the different materials that are going into the work. Think of those as an investment rather than an expense. Um, and I, I found that artists who make sacrifices and are willing to uh, make that investment over the long term see a, a much better return on that investment. Your, your buyers are very discerning and, um, you know, in order to be an art collector, you have to have, have uh, attained a certain level of disposable income, and um, they're they're going to require uh, high quality work from you, and and so you want to be striving to to constantly increase the quality of the work that you're producing. Mm -hmm. Right. I think another thing you mentioned was um, having a solid body of work. Maybe not even trying to reach out to a gallery until you have, you know, 25 gallery ready pieces in your inventory. Is that a, about a, a good number? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere between 15 and, and 25 pieces. Um, again, as a gallery owner, as I'm looking at an artist's work, 
um, maybe an artist has approached my gallery with a portfolio or has emailed me. Uh, one of the things I want to know is if I do take on this artist and I begin selling work, am I going to be able to, uh, you know, replace the pieces that are being sold and keep inventory at a, a level that allows me to maximize the, uh, the the return from all the marketing efforts that we're going to be putting into selling that work. And so having a, a solid body of consistent, high quality work uh, at the outset um, that you can show a gallery owner is going to make a huge difference in their perception of, um, you, you know, how professional you are to work with. And, and so, um, you know, it's not that you necessarily... Uh, not not that you have to have perfect work. Everyone's always striving to to increase the the quality of the work that they're doing. But just having a a, a solid body of work is going to make a huge difference. Okay, great. Um, let's see what other hints would you give as far as approaching a gallery. I don't want don't want to give it all away because you have you wrote a fantastic book. Again, everybody needs to get the. Uh, the book Starving to Successful for sure, but give us a little hint of some appropriate ways to approach a gallery. Yeah. And interestingly, I wrote, uh, I wrote Starving to Successful um, almost 10 years ago now. And so, um, you know, the core principles of approaching galleries remain the same, but um, some of the technical aspects of approaching galleries has, has changed a little bit, even in, in, in these last 10 years. Um, I am largely an advocate of, whenever possible, approaching a gallery in person. Um, there, there is just th- th- this business is about relationships, and um, th- there is just something about shaking a gallery owner's hand, and, and for the gallery owner, shaking the artist's hand, and, and kind of um, you know getting to to start that relationship off in person that is incredibly powerful, and so. Um, my recommendation is that whenever humanly possible, um, try and go visit galleries um, and and meet the gallery owners and and start a conversation with them to show them the work. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that isn't possible, and 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 certainly in this age of uh, electronic communication, um, I, I work with a lot of artists who have gotten into galleries b- via email. Um, and, and it can be done for sure. But uh, again, that in-person, uh, meeting can, can just be very, very powerful. Um, and as you say, there's a lot to that. I mean, it would take a, an entire book to talk about how to prepare and, um, you know, how to put your portfolio together and, mm-hmm. and what to say, <clears throat> excuse me, when you, uh, meet a gallery owner and, and all those kind of things. But, um, you know, as I've already mentioned, being organized and prepared is going to get you a long way towards that um, uh, successful encounter with a gallery owner. Now, the other thing I would say is that for an artist who wants to show in galleries, it is very much a numbers game. You need to talk to a lot of gallery owners um, before you're going to find that perfect fit, uh, you know, a gallery owner who is both interested in your work and also looking to bring on new artists and who feels you'll be a good fit for the gallery. Um, and so I think one of the biggest mistakes uh, a lot of artists make when they're interested in showing in galleries is that they don't uh, talk to enough galleries. Mm. Um, and I understand it's it's in a little bit intimidating um, and and certainly challenging to 
you know, go knock on gallery doors and, and start those conversations. And um, you're going to hear, no, we're not interested quite frequently. And that can be discouraging. And, and so often it's the case that I'll hear artists say that, um, you know, I went out and talked to gallery owners and they weren't interested in my work. Uh, and I will always follow it up with, well, how many galleries did you talk to? Uh, and they'll say, oh, uh, you know, I must have talked to five or six different <laughs> galleries and no one was interested. Hmm. And and my response to that is, well, that's a great start, <laughs> um, but it's only a start. Um, a you, know, you may need to be talking to 30 or 40 or 50 galleries. Uh, actually, you just need to talk to as many as it takes to to find that that right one. But But definitely be thinking in terms of, of numbers, I, I do some consulting with artists who are looking to get into galleries, mm-hmm. um, and my advice to them is that you should build a list of at least a hundred galleries that you would like to approach um, in in uh, you know markets uh, that are either close to you or that you'll have the opportunity to travel to, or that would be uh, particularly appropriate for your style and subject matter. And once you've got a list of a hundred galleries, and then you can start talking to them. Um, then you'll find that um, you're putting yourself in a position where you can be in the right place at the right time because you've got that that volume of galleries to talk to. Yeah, it's a great idea. That's a great idea. So um, tell tell us what because I think gallery representation is um, very important for an artist. But tell. In this age of technology where artists tend to be a bit reclusive anyway, it makes it very easy for them to just try to sell online. And many are having success. But tell us what they're missing by not having gallery representation. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And and my response to that is, um, you know, in this in this day and age, it makes sense for you to be uh, kind of taking on the art market from every possible angle that you can. And so I'm not advising artists to stop trying to sell online or, or to not put effort into that because you're exactly right, Laura. There, there is definitely a, a huge opportunity for artists to connect directly with art buyers. And, and certainly our gallery has been very proactive um, in, and we've put a lot of uh, investment and effort into building our online presence. And, and we're seeing um, dramatic increases in online sales, um, both to people who have visited our gallery and then come to our website to make a purchase, um, but also to uh, buyers who have never been to Scottsdale and never been in our gallery and are just finding us online. And so I'm not downplaying the importance of, um, you know, putting effort into building your website, maintaining it and, and keeping your inventory up to date. Um, but what you're missing out on if you're not also showing in galleries is that, um, you know, the online art market is very um, competitive and, and, and a bit saturated. Um, you know, there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of artists who, like you, also have a website or also competing for those buyers. And so it can be very difficult to... Uh, to be found online. And, um, you know, a lot of the artists that I talk to who have, have put effort into selling online, uh, you know, they'll tell me that this is their greatest challenge is getting qualified buyers to their website in the first place. And this is where a gallery has an advantage in that, um, you know, collectors are coming to them in the first place sure. um, to visit the gallery and see the artwork. And a, a lot of those buyers 
are looking for some kind of curation. They want, um, they, you know, they don't want to go and, and sort through hundreds and hundreds of artists to find work that is of a high quality and, um, you, you know, that has, uh, in, in the case of a gallery, has the gallery standing behind it. And, and so a lot of times that's where they'll begin is by physically visiting galleries or by visiting gallery websites. Um, we have, uh, in our gallery, especially during our high season, we might have, you know, anywhere between uh, 75 and 150, 175 people through through our gallery every single day. And a good um, portion of those are highly qualified art buyers. And so that um, constant and steady exposure Mm. uh, to those qualified buyers just makes a huge difference in terms of um, the likelihood of, of generating a sale. And so that, you know, that physical presence then spills over onto our website and, and leads to a lot of those online sales as well. And um, you, you just are at a, a disadvantage if you don't have both a, uh, a physical and a virtual presence for your artwork. Mm. Yeah, great. Um, <clears throat> so in your book, I think you did touch on you had a bit of resistance. Again, I'm just leading people get the book because it's a great story, but you had a bit of resistance uh, years ago, maybe getting online and had a great story about that. So yeah, you, you have so much out there to offer um, artists. And um, would you tell us a bit about the Academy, the online gallery, the red dot blog and uh, your book as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what basically, led to um, all of all of my efforts and outreach to artists um, was the the experience that I was having in the gallery um, you know during our first 10 years uh, because we were a new gallery and we're located in a, a strong art market uh, I have had the opportunity and, and I guess continue to have the opportunity to meet a lot of artists. Um, you know, there is just a steady stream of artists coming through my front door um, at some of them looking for representation, some of them just visiting the gallery and, and wanting to see what's going on. But I, I would have um, frequent conversations with artists. Um, and, um, you know, again, maybe because I uh, grew up in an artist's household and, and because my dad had a lot of artist friends, I just have a real um, uh, affinity for artists and a facility in talking with them. And um, during those conversations, I found that there's just this, uh, well, there's a lot of um, trepidation about approaching galleries, a a lot of um, confusion about what galleries want, um, concern about the advantages and disadvantages of, of working with galleries. And so I found that I was having these um, kind of having the same conversations over and over uh, about the art business with the artists that, that were visiting my gallery. And, um, you know, at that point, um, social media was starting to um, become a thing. And, um, uh, you know, blogging had been around for a while, but I kind of realized that, hey, I, I could start talking about some of these issues that I'm hearing about and and perhaps find uh, a few artists out there who'd be interested in in reading this blog. Well, well, that turned out to be a, a dr- drastic understatement of what would happen. <laughs> um, I launched the blog in 2007 or 2008, uh, Red Dot Blog, and... Um, Right away, it, it kind of had a, a, 
you know, a bit of a uh, viral effect where um, the artists that I shared the blog address with would share it with other artists. Um, it, you know, people would find it through Google. Um, and then we started posting the articles on Facebook. Um, and very quickly, uh, I found that there was just this huge audience of artists out there who were longing to have um, concrete, actionable advice about how to not only how to approach galleries, but just how to run their art business. And um, I, I found a lot of satisfaction in having those conversations um, online and, and writing blog posts. And it just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, and that led to, um, you know, podcasts and the videos that you mentioned. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess in some ways we just got caught up in the uh, uh, zeitgeist of the moment where um, it was because it, you know, it's become very easy for someone who doesn't know that much about, um, you, you know, technology or, or um, uh, you know, public relations and, and marketing and all those kind of things to be able to um, build their own uh, media empire, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, with the blog and, and YouTube and all those kinds of things. And so it just kind of started um, snowballing from there. And um, as I um, w was having those interactions, I, I um, developed a, uh, a, a workshop that I could give to artists with some, um, you know, key elements of what I felt it were important to talk to gallery owners and to prepare their business. Um, and then that workshop grew into uh, the book, which um, we published in 2009, um, Starving to Successful. Um, and it just kind of went from there. Um, it's been very gratifying to be able to have conversations with artists all over the world and um, discover that, um, you know, many of the concerns that uh, that they feel are shared by other artists and to, to create a, uh, a, you know, kind of a forum where those discussions can be had. And I've been able to bring in many artists. I've been able to bring in other gallery owners and, and just kind of hopefully um, start to bridge the gap a little bit between um, artists and gallery owners and, and collectors as well to, to make the whole process a little bit less mystifying. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I say, you're just the missing link for sure between the two groups. I think um, you do such a great job at it. Um, tell us a little bit about the Art Business Academy and how that works. Yeah, so uh, again, that that kind of was just a natural evolution of um, uh, the the workshops that I had done and the book that I'd written, where I I found that um, there were a, a lot of artists who had read my book and, um, you know, maybe had, had watched the videos that I had done online and read the blog, but they wanted just a little bit more one-on-one -on -one guidance than that. Mm -hmm. And so I was constantly getting requests from artists, hey, would you ever consider, um, you know, consulting with me and, and um helping me build my portfolio and figure out if my work is consistent, figure out how to price my artwork, one of the big challenges. Um, and uh, because I'm so busy and, and I'm running a gallery and was also building the, the, the blog and all those kind of things, it was very difficult for me um, you, you know, to be able to do that kind of, um, consulting and, and to offer one-on-one -on -one advice. Um, but I saw that there was real interest in that and, uh, really a need for it to have, um, 
an opportunity for an, an artist to get some um, objective feedback on their work and on their their business. And so over the course of several years, I started um, working with my my team here at the gallery and and um, kind of putting together a, a more formal um, course really on on the art business that would allow me to uh, and, and basically the way it works is we created a number of very in-depth, instructional videos where I'm able to talk about every aspect of the, the um, process of building a successful art business um, for an artist and how to work with galleries and how to work with collectors. Um, and then through a series of assignments that those artists complete, I'm able to give them that one-on-one -on -one feedback um, and, and um, you know, talk about their work in very specific ways um, that, that would have been difficult to do if I, if I didn't have this structure and framework and platform of the Art Business Academy. Um, and, and it's been great. I've had the Academy now for, for three years, and I've been able to help uh, many artists um, really put together, uh, put together their business and go out and, and work with galleries and start to generate sales. And, and um, mm -hmm. uh, it's been very gratifying to see uh, the artists who've, who've gone through the Art Business Academy achieving real success in getting into galleries and, and generating sales. Wonderful. Sounds, sounds great. I'm sure I'll be on that list very soon. <laughs> um, so tell us where we can find all of these resources. Where's the best place to go? Yeah, really the, um, my home base uh, in terms of interacting with artists is the blog. Um, if an artist were to go to, you know, wanted to learn more uh, about my views on the gallery business and, and various aspects of, of their art career, uh, they would go to red.blog.com. So it's spelled out R-E-D-D-O-T-B-L-O-G.com. Um, and from there, you'll see there are hundreds and hundreds of articles that I've written over the years um, that that just give some some uh, hopefully helpful advice on the day to day operations of an art business um, and insights into how galleries work. Um, and then I would recommend and, and uh, you'll see a link in the upper right of uh, every page that you sign up for my uh, newsletter. Uh, which will keep you informed of new articles and then let you know about uh, about my book and about the uh, Art Business Academy. Um, I do have very limited availability in the Academy because it is so personalized. Um, it's not always open for registration, but when when I do have openings, I let people on my mailing list know of that so that they can be the uh, the first to sign up. Wonderful. Okay, great. Um, I'd like to just close by actually mentioning the Red Dot blog. I do read it and um, I read the comments as well. And I was really struck by your response to this woman who we, I believe the topic was the isolation uh, that artists face in just walking this life. We, we are in isolation a lot. And um, yeah. she had been hospitalized and had no one come to see her. It, I mean, it's a long, but your response was, just so personable and, and really just shows your heart um, to artists and you, you acknowledged, you know, her emotions and the challenges. And um, at the end you encouraged her not to be afraid to reach out. And I just found that 
that's just you. That's your heart. You're taking the time and you are very busy, but you take the time with artists. And I think that's what makes you unique and different and special to the whole world. So thank you. Yeah, and I've been um, very, um, again, it's been very gratifying um, and and awesome to see uh, with the blog, um, you know, I'll write a post and, and share some of my ideas. And I hope that those are helpful. But you're exactly right. Sometimes the comments that come in response to those posts yeah. and the conversations that started there um, is every bit as valuable, if not more valuable than than the original post itself. So it's awesome to have a community of artists that have come together online um, through the blog yeah. to, um, you, you know, that uh, a lot of the artists kind of get to know each other um, through the blog and and the, the comments that come are just incredibly rich. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you again so much for your time and for all that you have done and are continuing to do for the art world and i encourage everybody to check out the blog and the book and other resources that you offer i just appreciate having you on today so much thank you laura it's been a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you all right and we'll look forward to hearing again maybe from you in the future (laughs) thanks laura thanks bye-bye i know if you found inspiration from today's show make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.